Welcome to Truths for Life with Pastor Teacher Chris Hall. And our Lord Jesus preached the greatest sermon, of course, that was ever preached. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. And so we're taking some time in our study to focus on some of what Jesus had to say in this great sermon. Last week we looked at the opening verses of the Sermon on the Mount. We looked at the first of the Beatitudes. And this morning we look at another one of the Beatitudes that follows those first three. And it's in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. These verses are called the Beatitudes because that is the Latin translation of the word blessed. And the word blessed is an interesting word, the word that is translated blessing, blessed uh, in uh, the English language. It means to be satisfied. It means to be secure. It means to be content. It means to be happy. It means to be full of joy. It was a word that was used of a particular island in the Roman world, uh, in the Mediterranean Sea, and it, uh, it was said of that island, if you go there, if you live there, you will be blessed. That is, you'll have everything you ever need, and you'll find happiness and joy and satisfaction there. And so Jesus is telling us how to be happy, and we all want to be happy. The world without Christ says, blessed are the rich. If you want to be happy, you've got to be rich. The world says, blessed are the powerful, blessed are the beautiful, blessed are the influential, blessed are the intelligent, blessed are the wealthy, blessed are those who are at ease, blessed are those who have plenty. That's what the world says, but that's not what Jesus says. (laughs) Jesus turns it all upside down. Jesus says, blessed are those who know that they are poor. Blessed are those who know that before God they are spiritual beggars. Blessed are those who are broken. Blessed are those who mourn before God because of the reality of their own sin. And blessed are those who surrender and submit their life to the control of God. Jesus says, these are the ones who will know lasting blessing because they will, if they walk down the road of those first three Beatitudes, they will find life and they will find salvation. And it doesn't matter what they have or do not have in this world, they will find true and lasting happiness in being right with God and being made right with Him. And so those are the Beatitudes that we looked at last week. And in those Beatitudes, Jesus told us how the Christian life begins. It begins when you realize you're a beggar before God. It begins when you are broken because of your sin before God. It begins when you surrender and you submit yourself to God and to His control over your life. In the next Beatitude, Jesus tells us how the Christian life is to continue. That's how the Christian life begins. Now, how does the Christian life continue? Being saved and made right with God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is not the end of salvation. It's only the beginning. 
The goal of the Christian life is not just to get saved. If that's true, when you were saved, okay, that's it. Let's just sit back and we're pretty well set and let's live our life any way we want to live and when we die, we'll go to heaven. But the goal of the Christian life is not just to get saved. The goal of the Christian life is to grow and develop and advance into a mature, full-grown, and productive Christian. The Lord didn't save you just for you to stay the way you are after He saved you. The Lord saved you to grow and to mature and to develop and to become a productive, serving Christian in His kingdom. The Bible refers to newly saved Christians as babes in Christ. When you were saved, you might have been like me. I didn't know anything about anything. <laughs> All I knew, I knew John 3.16. I'd, I'd become familiar with that verse, but I didn't know anything about the Bible. Who wrote what or this, that, or the other, or any kind of, the, any kind of knowledge about the Bible. I didn't have that. Here's what I knew when I was saved. I knew I was lost and I knew Jesus died on the cross for me and he was my Savior. And I knew if I gave my life to him, he would save me. And that's what I did and that's all I knew. If you're saved, if I was saved by ignorance, I was really saved. But I was saved by faith. Aren't you glad we're saved by faith? We're saved by faith and knowing who we are and who Jesus is and what he's done and what he's done to prepare, make a, a salvation possible for us. And we're saved by faith when we repent of our sins and trust in him and give him our life. We're saved by faith. But I didn't know anything else. I was truly, spiritually, as a Christian, a babe in Christ. And that's what the Bible refers to as newly saved Christians. 1 Corinthians 3.1, Paul said, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual but even as unto babes in Christ. Paul said to the Corinthian Christians, and by the way, we're studying 1 Corinthians on Sunday night. It's a good study. He says, I wanted to, to write to you and share with you some pretty particularly deep scriptural things and spiritual truth, but I couldn't do that because you have not advanced in the Christian life. You're still a babe. In 1 Peter 2.2, Paul said, as newborn babes. He's not talking about newborn physical babies. He's talking about spiritual Christians. As newborn Christians, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Now, there is nothing more precious and more beautiful in this world than a newborn baby. And we all just become, I don't know, we become a little stupid when we're around a newborn baby. You know, we just, we get all gaga. And have you ever noticed we talk to babies in baby talk? And if you could just hear some of these grown men talking to babies in baby talk, it's a little embarrassing if you take it out of that context, you know. There's nothing more precious and beautiful in this world than a newborn baby. But we become very alarmed if over time that beautiful baby doesn't begin to grow and doesn't begin to develop, and doesn't begin to mature in his or her ability to walk and talk and learn, if that newborn baby stays a baby over a period of time, then it becomes a very alarming thing. Something is wrong because that baby is not growing, and a baby is supposed to grow. 
Well, as a newborn baby is expected to grow and develop, so a newborn Christian is expected to grow and to develop as a Christian. That's the goal of the Christian life. Not to stay the way you were when you were saved, but to grow and to develop and to mature as a Christian. The sad truth is that despite the indwelling Holy Spirit of God who lives within them, despite having access to the Bible, which is the Christian's guidebook and textbook for Christian growth, despite being a part of the church in which God has called and equipped preachers and teachers to help Christians to grow in the Lord, despite having all of the amazing materials and resources that are available to Christians today to help us to grow and develop in the Lord, many Christians in America today have grown very little as Christians since the day they were saved. They haven't grown. They haven't developed. They haven't matured as Christians. The writer of Hebrews was very frustrated with those Christians to whom he was writing. These Christians had been saved for a long time, but yet they were still immature in the Lord. They were still babes in Christ. And the writer of Hebrews expresses his frustration that they should have matured and grown much more than they had in the Lord. In Hebrews 5, 11, and 12, he says, there's much more we would like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain Especially since you are spiritually dull and you don't seem to listen. You have been believers for so long now that you ought to be teaching others. But instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. You are like babies who have never grown up, still needing milk, and still not able to eat solid food. The writer of Hebrews was frustrated that these Christians had been saved long enough to be teaching others, and yet they had grown very, very little since the day they were saved. The goal of the Christian life is not just to get saved. The goal of the Christian life is to grow and to mature as a Christian, to become a, a, a more productive and more effective Christian in living for the Lord. Let me share with you three characteristics of immature Christians. Number one, immature Christians want to be served instead of serving. Babies don't feed others. Babies don't serve others. Babies are fed. Babies are served. You don't tell a newborn baby, hey, go make your own food. You don't tell a newborn baby, well, go make up your bed and clean up your crib or clean up your room. You don't tell a newborn baby that because you know a newborn baby can't do that. You don't expect them to do that. But you do tell your 10-year-old to make their bed up. And you do tell your 10-year-old to clean their room up. And you expect them to do it. And if they don't do it, you get on to them. Unfortunately, there are many immature Christians in the church today who have been saved for years. But instead of being active and involved in serving the Lord and serving others, they sit back and they expect others to serve them. 
immature Christians are perfectly willing to watch others do what they should be doing. They are perfectly willing and content to let others serve them instead of serving others. Immature Christians want to be served instead of serving. You know, the Bible teaches that God equips every Christian with a spiritual gift, a spiritual gift that is to be employed in the edification and the building up of the church, which makes the church stronger so that the church can carry out its mission of evangelism to the world. Do you know what your spiritual gift is? How long have you been saved? How long have you been born again? Do you know what your spiritual gift is? How God has gifted you so that you can be in service to others. Immature Christians want to be served instead of serving. Second of all, immature Christians tend to major on what is minor and minor on what is major. They major on what is minor, and they minor on what is major. A baby has no understanding and no comprehension of the big issues of life. A newborn baby has no idea who the President of the United States is. A newborn baby has no idea that there is a health care crisis in America. A newborn baby does not know those things, and a newborn baby could care less about those things. All a newborn baby wants is to be fed, changed, hugged, and entertained. What a way to live, right? Immature Christians will get all upset, and they will get all excited about issues and situations and things that happen that have very little eternal consequence. They may be important in some measure. They may be important for the moment, but they'll get all excited over things that have very little eternal consequence. And sometimes immature Christians are perfectly willing to cause conflict and divide a church up over things that have little eternal consequence to the kingdom of God. I have seen it so often in my own Life as I have observed churches. But those very same immature Christians will give no thought and they will show very little interest in being involved in evangelism and in missions. And they have no desire to work with others in the church to reach, reach the lost of their community and the world. <laughs> immature Christians will find over things that have in eternity have very little consequence. I love the beautiful carpet in our church, don't you? But it's not worth fighting over. I mean, 200 years from now, who cares what color carpet is in Whitewater Baptist Church? But 200 years from now, winning the souls of men and women and boys and girls will have eternal consequence. Mature Christians will fight over things that in eternity really are of little consequence, but they will not join in the fight for the souls of men and women and boys and girls who have eternal consequence. And so immature Christians. Another characteristic of immature Christians is that they're often more inter interested in being entertained 
than they are in being serious students of the Word of God. Immature Christians are more interested in, in being served than serving. And often they'll major on the minor and minor on the major. And immature Christians are more interested often in being entertained than they are in really being serious students of the Word of God. Immature Christians are more interested in being entertained than they are in growing in their knowledge, in their understanding, in the application of the Bible, growing in their own life and growing in the obedient Christian life. Babies are not interested in hearing how things work. A baby's not interested in hearing you read a textbook to them or an owner's manual to them. They're not interested in knowing how the crib goes, the side of the crib goes up and down. They don't care about stuff like that. They just want to be entertained. Immature Christians are not interested in digging deep into the Word of God. They're not really interested in feeding on the solid food of the Bible in growing in their knowledge and understanding of the Bible, not just so that they'll have knowledge in their head, but that so that it will affect their heart and how they live in everyday life. When immature Christians come to church, they're not interested in hearing a strong Bible message that digs into the Word of God and speaks to the Word and the will of God for their life. Immature Christians want to be entertained. They don't, and they don't consider a message from the Bible as entertainment. And they know in a church worship service, the preacher is supposed to preach, but here's what they want. They want a short, light, entertaining message. They want an entertaining sermonette. And it doesn't even have to be based on the Bible. In fact, it's better if what the preacher says is not based on the Bible. Just take something from life and kind of build a little spiritual message to it and they're completely satisfied with that. They want a message that will confirm how special they are just the way they are. And they want a message that doesn't confront their life and doesn't confront their lifestyle. And they want a message that makes no demands on them. Today you will find this kind of so-called worship going on in churches all over America. And the sanctuary of many of these churches are full and crowds are flocking to these churches which major on the entertainment and minor on the Bible and the Word of God and its application and its preaching to the people. And the leaders in these churches are, are the featured speakers at conferences and, and they talk about all the people they are winning. But my question is, what are they winning them to? If you never preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, are you truly winning people to Jesus? If you never talk about sin, oh, we don't want to talk about sin. That's not popular, and that's not going to draw the crowds. People are repulsed by that. We don't want to talk about sin. If you never talk about sin, are you winning people to Jesus? If you never talk about the need of repentance and confession, are you really winning people to Jesus? If you never talk about the cross, you never talk about Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, are you really winning people to Jesus? If you never talk about the sacrifice of Christ and what that sacrifice meant, if you never talk about His resurrection and never talk about what it means, are you really winning people to Jesus? 
if you never talk about true discipleship, if you never talk about denying yourself and taking up the cross and following Christ, if you never talk about self-denial, if you never talk about separation from the world, if you never talk about holy living and nobility of character, if you never talk about true love for God, if you never talk about a total commitment to Christ, then what are you winning them to? Immature, non-growing, selfish, stagnant, satisfied Christianity is one of the biggest problems in the church today. The Lord didn't save you just to save you. (laughs) The Lord saved you to be a growing, maturing, productive Christian who is involved in the kingdom of God and involved in reaching out to others with the true gospel of Jesus Christ so that people might be saved. Now, if you want to grow as a Christian, you must have a lifelong hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. A person who is hungry, a person who is thirsty, is a person who is passionate to find something to eat. Have you ever really, I don't know if we ever really have been hungry or thirsty, but have you ever really been hungry or thirsty? You have one thing on your mind, and that one thing on your mind is getting something to eat. That's your passion. If you want to grow as a Christian, you must have a lifelong hunger and a lifelong thirst. You must have a lifelong passion for the Word of God, for the worship of God, for the service of God, for the house of God, for the people of God, for the mission of God, for the things of God. That must be your passion. Growing as a Christian doesn't happen automatically. It requires commitment. It requires devotion. It requires dedication. It requires discipleship. When you became a Christian, you gave your life to Christ. We would all agree with that statement. That's how you become a Christian. When you became a Christian, you gave your life to Christ. Well, let me ask you a question. What do you think he wants to do with your life? You gave him your life. Well, what do you think he wants to do with it? Do you think he actually wants you to stay where you are, like you are when he saved you? No. The Lord has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. And his plan is for you to grow and mature and become an effective, useful Christian in his service and in his kingdom. Why do you think he gave you the Holy Spirit to live within you? Why do you think he gave you the Word of God so that you can read and study and meditate on God's Word to the world? Why do you think he gave you the church? Why did you think he gave you the privilege of prayer? Why do you think he gave you your spiritual gift? God's plan is for you to grow. Let me ask you a question. Did you come to this worship service this morning 
hungry to worship God. Did you come to this worship service this morning hungry to honor Him for saving you? Did you come to this worship service this morning hungry to worship God? Hungry, hungry, passionate to worship God for who He is and for all that He's done for you. Did you come to this worship service this morning hungry to hear a message from God's Word? Hungry, longing to hear a word from God. Sunday after Sunday, Christians come to a worship service like this, and they're not hungry to worship God. You can tell it by the way they worship. You can tell it by the way they sing. You can tell it by the way they listen. They have no passion for worship. They're not really interested in hearing a word from God. They're just fulfilling what they think is their divine obligation as a Christian to attend a worship service. And they are satisfied when everything is over and done that they've done what they think God wants them to do. But are you hungry for God? Are you hungry to grow? Are you hungry to be that person that God saved you to be? When you were saved, you gave your life to Christ. What do you think he wants to do with your life? You think he wants to just take your life and say, okay, you find just the way you are and that's it? No. When you gave your life to Christ, he has a plan and he has a purpose. And that plan and that purpose is not for you to stay where you are. That plan and that purpose is for you to always be growing forever as a Christian, becoming more and more mature and productive and effective in the kingdom of God. During the worship service, Many people's minds are in a thousand different places, thinking about a thousand different things. They're not hungry to worship God. They're not hungry to hear from God. One Sunday morning after worship, a lady said to her pastor, she said, Pastor, I didn't like the way you preached this morning. And he said, well, I'm sorry. Can you tell me what was wrong? And she said, it was your language. She said, in your sermon this morning, you said pants. And you should never say pants. You should say trousers. That's a much more elegant word. You should never say pants. The pastor said, well, well, I appreciate that, and I'll try to remember that. He then asked the woman, what else do you remember about the sermon this morning? She said, I don't remember anything else about your sermon this morning. To which he said, well, I guess if I hadn't said pants, you wouldn't have got anything out of my message this morning, would you? (laughs) When the preacher preaches, you may not hear the best vocabulary in the world. But do you hear the Word of God? And do you want to hear the Word of God? Listen, the Lord didn't save you for you to stay a spiritual baby. Our churches are full of gray-haired babies spiritually. They hadn't grown one whit since the day they were saved. The Lord saved you for you to grow, for you to mature, for you to become a serving, useful Christian in His service and in His kingdom. If you're a Christian, nothing, nothing, should be more important in your life than growing to be the Christian man or the Christian woman that Christ saved 
you to be. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. The growing Christian life is the only life that is truly fulfilling for the Christian. Too many Christians are satisfied where they are. (laughs) They're just satisfied where they are and satisfied where they have been for decades, for years. And they've grown very little. What is your passion? What is your passion? Do you have a passionate desire to be all that God saved you to be? What is your passion? Oh, what is missing in church life today is passion. (laughs) We fulfill our obligations. We fulfill the schedule. But we do it with so little passion and so little commitment. If we can't be excited about who God is and what He's done, how do we expect the world to be excited if it's little, of a little interest to us, how do we expect anybody else who's not saved to be interested? Oh, may God, may God set our souls afire for His holy word and for His work and for His service and for His kingdom. Maybe if we had a little fire, it would draw the world to what we're so excited about. Have you ever seen someone eating out of a trash can? Years ago, we were in St. Louis for a Southern Baptist convention, and it was early one Sunday morning. And Dr. Adrian Rogers was preaching in a church somewhere in the St. Louis area. This was before the days of the GPS and all of that. So we started out early Sunday morning trying to find this church. And we had directions, but we didn't have any idea where we were going, and the map was kind of useless, and so we kind of wandered through downtown St. Louis. We pulled over to the curb, and I rolled down the window. I was not driving. I was a passenger, and I asked someone who was standing there, I said, can you tell me where so-and-so church is? And they kind of looked this way, looked that way, and then they scratched their head, and the man said, Man, I can't tell you this morning I'm fuzzy about the head. We drove down the road a little bit. And this was not the best area of St. Louis, Missouri. And I saw a man and a woman getting their breakfast. They were rummaging around in a trash can outside of a restaurant. Eating garbage out of what had been disposed out of that restaurant the night before. That's kind of disgusting, isn't it? And, sh- and shameful, and it's bad. But can I tell you this? If you are not a Christian, and if you are not, a, fi- not finding your satisfaction in God and in the things of God, if you're finding your satisfaction out of what this world has to offer, I hate to tell you this, But compared to what God has to offer, if you're feeding on the things of this world, you're eating out of a garbage can. Because the best this world has to offer 
is nothing but garbage compared to what God has to offer and what God gives to those who trusted Him. The Apostle Paul knew the best of both worlds, the world without Christ and the world with Christ. In Philippians 3.8, he said, Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I have discarded everything else, what this world has to offer, counting it as garbage so that I might gain Christ. If you don't know Jesus, you're eating out of the garbage can of this world. But if you want to feast on what the king has to offer (laughs) and all of the blessings of God which he freely offers to you, you can come to Christ in repentance and faith and trust and surrender. You can be saved and you'll know true riches and the true feast of God. If you're a Christian, are you growing? And you never stop growing. I don't care how old physically you are. You never stop growing and maturing. And you never, your passion never, never runs out on growing as a believer to be more effective in your service for Christ. Maybe amongst the Christians here today, there needs to be some repenting going on. Because we have grown too satisfied with where we are as Christians. May God set our souls afire for His service. Thank you for joining us for our program today. Truths for Life with Pastor Teacher Chris Hall is a presentation of Hall Sports Communications. To contact us, you can send an email to chrishall71 at hotmail.com. That's chrishall71 at hotmail.com. Be sure to join us for our next program. Until then, stay safe and may God bless you.